0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back for the next installment of the Rocky Mountain MIREC Short Takes on Suicide Prevention Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hoffberg, and today's episode, we are going to cover and learn more about the Veterans Crisis Line. We'll be chatting a bit about the history of the VCL, its purpose, how it works, and really taking a look ahead at what the future holds for Veterans Crisis Line services. We're really honored today to be joined by the Director of the Veterans Crisis Line, Dr. Matt Miller. He has been head of the VCL since July 2017 and prior to that has a rich background serving both within the VA healthcare system as well as a United States Air Force veteran. So I'll let him tell us a little bit more about himself as we jump right in. Welcome Matt. Good morning. It's a uh, pleasure to be here with you and with uh, your listeners today, I
1: appreciate the opportunity Uh, By way of background, I think you summarized it uh, nicely. I'm a clinical psychologist by training. Uh, I I have a a master's and a PhD, uh, and then a a master's in public health uh, as well. I was in the United States Air Force as a clinical psychologist. I specialized in work with joint services, fighter, bomber, and um, cargo uh, pilot trainees.
0: Great. Well, again, pleasure to have you on the show today, and uh, we're going to be chatting about the Veterans Crisis Line. So just give us some of the basics around the crisis line, and what is it, you know, when did it first start, and and what is its purpose? Yeah, the
1: the crisis line has uh, grown tremendously over the last uh, decade. Uh, It started in 2007 uh, with a handful of responders and uh, minimal phone lines available. It has uh, grown tremendously since that uh, beginning in 2007 from Canandaigua, New York. Uh, we currently, to the day, have uh, a staff of over 800. About 500 or so are responders <clears throat> answering the calls on the front lines and a team of uh, support personnel working behind the scenes called SSAs, uh, helping us with uh, rescues and the like. Um, We have expanded from operations in our origin, which again was Canandaigua, New York, and the Canandaigua VA. And now we also have call center operations in Atlanta, Georgia and Topeka, Kansas where I'm talking to you from today. We have expanded as well beyond uh, call and uh, telephone capabilities for addressing veteran needs. We also now have chat and text services available where uh, veterans can reach out and contact us if they find that to be those to be formats that are um, more approachable uh, to 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 their needs and to help them address their questions or concerns. Uh, we're running right now at about 2,000 calls a day uh, coming in from our our caller population and uh, servicing the needs that are presented across those 2,000 calls per day
0: thanks for the rundown, so I want to get into a little bit more of the needs of your callers and a little background on you know many folks may be familiar with the national suicide prevention lifeline uh why do we need specific crisis services for veterans and how does how do their uh issues differ from civilians? Mm. yeah, you mentioned
1: the uh you mentioned the lifeline and uh that's that's a that's a good point of understanding for your listeners to be aware of we are we are partnered with the lifeline and with uh, mha and samsa uh, therein uh, and then there's the option on the lifeline as many people know that's that's referred to as press one press one occurs when you call the 1-800 number you're offered you're offered some options for points of contact in that point veterans specifically are offered if you if you're a veteran and uh, you would like to talk please press one. At that point when someone presses one, that's when the call is connected from the lifeline to uh, the VCO. We find that uh, veterans do have uh, veteran specific needs and concerns often uh, related to and linked to uh, their military service uh, and time in military. And it's also important that we're linked closely with uh, Veterans Health Administration and care available within the Veterans Health Administration. So we're able to seamlessly address the veterans concerns on the call, questions on the call, needs on the call, and link them directly then to their nearest VA facility uh, for care uh, whether it be mental health or primary care or addressing another need we work directly at the facility level with what's called the suicide prevention coordinator uh, whether it be through a phone call directly to the suicide prevention coordinator at the nearest facility uh, or a consult that's placed in an electronic system that we share with the suicide prevention coordinator in the local facilities to get the veteran the uh, nearest
0: help uh, as quickly as possible so matt i understand there's actually a pretty new way to also reach the veterans crisis line besides dialing the 1-800 number and pressing one can you tell us about this innovative new service
1: uh, there there is another way to reach us beyond the press one if you want to offer it it's called press seven and it's something that we just started in January of two thousand and seventeen, and then it was uh, distributed to the community based outpatient clinics in October of two thousand and seventeen. what what it is, any forward facing eight hundred, well, I should say any forward facing toll-free number associated with uh, the medical center's main line or the community-based outpatient clinic's main line is now required to be equipped with PRESS-7, which is the option to immediately, directly connect to the VCL if the caller would like to do that. You say, well, how is that any different? Previously, if a veteran contacted their local VA, using the toll-free number they and they would receive a message with what's called an ivr directing them press one press two blah 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 the the original part of that message stated if you're in crisis hang up call the vcl at this number one eight hundred two seven three 273 talk so the veteran would have to in crisis hang up the phone remember that 800 number dial that number, then press one. This new process cuts all of that out and says, instead now, if you're in crisis and would like to connect to the VCL, just press seven, and they'll be immediately connected to us. So now there's two doors coming into the VCL. There's calling the 1-800 number and pressing one. And there's also calling a forward facing toll-free number associated with a VA medical center or CBOC and pressing seven.
0: Great. So sounds like there's a, a nice integration between uh calling the VCO and then kind of connecting with VA staff to follow up. Yeah,
1: I think that's a great summary. And I think that that's a that's a veteran unique aspect of what we're able to what we're able to offer.
0: Excellent. So obviously we know veterans themselves can call the crisis line. Um, If someone's concerned about a loved one in their life or perhaps even a clinician who cares for a veteran, um, can they call on behalf of a veteran in their life? Completely, yes. And
1: that's not an uncommon call for us to receive. Technically that may be referred to as a third-party call uh, that's when we do receive phone calls from uh, individuals uh, who represent a, a veteran loved one. They may have questions about how to get the veteran connected to care. They may have questions about um, how to handle a particular situation that they're that they're currently working through. They may have questions about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder what to do how to support and we can offer links and resources for connecting them to vha care we can offer links and resources for connecting them into what we call coaching into care um, uh, options uh, for family members to support veterans so in summary, yes, we we often receive calls from uh, individuals who have questions or are concerned about supporting a loved one, a loved veteran in their lives,
0: and we will walk them through the process. That's really helpful to clarify, because I know that um, often when we're out in the community, we get those kind of questions about who can call the crisis line. So it's great to hear that family members and other concerned third parties can reach out as well for support Um, Tell us a little bit about who the VCL Responders are. Um, How do they support the people who call in? And and tell us a little bit about their training and their background to serve veterans. Sure. The
1: VCL Responders, uh, as part of their position, have a background in mental health or mental health-related field. Uh, Eighty percent of our responders have a master's degree in a mental health or an allied field. Um, by about five percent of our responders, five to seven percent of our responders also have a uh, doctoral level uh, degree or training in an allied uh, field. Our responders are are trained um, and monitored, by the way, uh, for receiving phone calls, texts, and chats that walk the caller through evidence-based uh, screening. Um, suicide prevention planning, and suicide prevention uh, follow-up, uh, and the aftercare plan as well.
0: Yeah, I want to dive into that a little bit more um, in terms of both how they're monitored, how these calls are sort of tracked and followed up, and, and sort of more generally, how do you measure the success of a BCL call?
1: Sure, Uh, how they're monitored, uh, we monitor in a couple different ways, and it's through a department that we have within the Veterans Crisis Line called Quality Assurance, uh, which is also, I think, very nicely linked to our training department. So the information that we glean from engaging quality assurance monitoring, we then convert directly to training and to uh, instructional opportunities. Uh, Through our training department Uh, back to the issue of monitoring Uh, In our quality assurance department. We have what's referred to as silent monitors the silent monitors are individuals who are trained in uh, being a responder in the VCL who are trained in evidence-based screening and assessment of uh, suicide and uh, suicide prevention they will uh, listen to the call and they will follow a rubric, if you will, uh, for um, reviewing if uh, appropriate uh, steps were taken, if uh, appropriate engagement occurred across the key criteria for a successful call. The silent monitors will then provide feedback directly to the responder Regarding the results of the monitor and will also provide feedback to the supervisory chain and a summary of the results on the, uh, on, on the rubric. This provides an excellent opportunity for uh, exploration of points to reinforce within the responders work as well as opportunities for improvement. Each responder engages in a silent monitor uh, right now at a, uh, I think, a very um, laudable pace of once per pay period, so once every, every two weeks. So our silent monitoring team keeps pretty busy across the 500-plus uh, responders and reviewing their work and offering uh, coaching and instruction and uh, feedback as well. In terms of um, then, uh, from from there, uh, what we do with this information, the information then, as I said, is converted into points of improvement within training, whether it be training for recurrent, uh, on a recurrent basis with our responder team, or um, uh, our our new employee orientation and things that maybe we can introduce a little differently or enhance through the new
0: employee orientation. Very helpful to sort of learn what's going on in the background, and then how about on the uh, follow up or the connection, the sort of handoff to VA providers? Is there sort of um, a system to confirm that all the all the handoffs are occurring as planned?
1: Yes. Yeah, so. We offer our callers uh, the opportunity for connection to uh, their nearest VA facility and services therein. Uh, The caller is free to accept or decline that offer. If the caller accepts the offer for connection to their nearest uh, VA facility, we will put in a consult. electronic request through a shared medical record system that we have with uh, local VA facilities and that will then be received within 24 to 48 hours by the suicide prevention coordinator at the local facility. The suicide prevention coordinator then at the local facility will contact the veteran as a follow-up. They'll have our note console in front of them and they'll talk with the veteran about what uh, The veterans needs are what their expectations are for care and then take those factors in that feedback and plug it into uh, What options are available at the local level? leading ultimately to scheduling an appointment and a time for the veteran to, to come and receive that care Sometimes, uh, frequently, the veteran is already engaged in care at their local facility, and they'll implement the veteran's crisis line as, um, as something that augments the care that they're receiving. So, for example, they may be seeing a counselor once every two weeks at the local facility, but it's a Saturday morning, and they're maybe struggling with something or working through something that they've also been working through in therapy and they want to give us a call and talk it through a little bit and um, and work it through a little bit. That That is something that we'll do, obviously, talk them through, work them through it, offer supportive care as well
0: excellent and i think you touched on a really important point there which is that the veterans crisis line services are available to all veterans not just veterans enrolled in va care or eligible for va care that's correct right exactly
1: i'll also note that our services are available to individuals who wish to stay wholly anonymous Uh, so if an individual does not want to identify name any personal personally identifiable information to include veteran status uh we are going to uh engage our work and our role with that particular
0: caller if they choose to remain anonymous great very helpful again just thinking about reducing the barriers to and the making this uh service and this uh resource as accessible as possible so that's again great to hear so, I wanna just uh, recap a little bit. You mentioned that you know the demand is quite high. You're getting you know two thousand calls a day. You all now have uh, three call centers. We also have uh, the ability to not only call in but also text the crisis line as well as chat with the crisis line. Um, so where do we go from here? What's the future? Um, what are some next steps or areas for improvement with the veterans crisis line? I think
1: uh, one thing that we're taking a look at is uh, within the remainder of the current fiscal year and going into next year is how can we uh, continue to improve the connection between VCL and veteran crisis line contact and uh, local VA resources in contact. So, for example, if the suicide prevention coordinator that I cited previously was was having difficulty contacting the veteran as a follow-up, we're taking a look at ways that we can support the work of the suicide prevention coordinators locally to offer increased outreach to those veterans that maybe we haven't reestablished contact with after they reported to us that they were interested in receiving follow-up care. So, offering them a phone call as a follow-up saying, how are you doing, Uh, checking back in with the safety plan that was established with them in their contact with us, checking back in with their motivation to engage care at the local VA facility and then based upon the feedback received uh, reinitiating, and re-engaging that contact with the local VA facility to get them scheduled into an appointment. I think that um, we're also taking a look constantly internally at streamlining our technology and our resources available to us to offer the best possible Uh, experience for our staff and for our veteran callers. Uh, For example, one really important change that we've made recently is we have updated and upgraded our system so that now our system, our phone system, is able to combine all three call centers at one time All responders across all three call centers in Canandaigua, Atlanta, and Topeka, and is able to identify the one responder out of the three call centers that has been in available status the longest, and then match that incoming call, no matter where it's coming from, to that responder who has been available the longest. This is helpful for um, Uh, more quickly, more immediately, matching the caller with an available responder and for the responders to be able to share and uh, distribute their service across our three call centers.
0: Oh, that's really great to hear. And also, um, you know, not just implementing the new technology, but also hearing that you're really working to expand that sort of idea of caring contacts and following up. On caller. So, um, again, really exciting to sort of hear the future for the Veterans Crisis Line. And, you know, one thing I want to add
1: to that, if I may, in terms of the future, both present and future, I think is really relevant to the Myrick um, um, listener. We're looking to not only are we looking at operational efficiencies and points of improvement for the caller and the veteran experience and staff experience and training, but we're also looking more broadly at increasing our research scope. So taking the information and the wealth of information that we do have available to us as part of offering the service of the veterans crisis line and converting that into uh, research in partnership with uh with the visit 19 myrick research for example taking a look at how how do you define uh, effectiveness for a veterans crisis line or for any crisis line and how do you measure it that's one project that we're taking a look at in partnership with uh, the visit 19 Myrick this year. We're also taking a look at what can we learn from evidence-based approaches such as uh, Safe bet applied to the ER setting. How can we take that approach and use that in our outreach calls? perhaps the veterans who were recently discharged from an ER for maybe primary mental health concerns that they were presenting for how can we how can we use those evidence-based approaches to reach out to them follow up with them make sure that they're doing okay and see if they would like to get connected to further VA
0: services and help to facilitate that process.
1: So some interesting projects in the works in terms of uh, research as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for uh, expanding on that. And actually another follow up question on that. Um, What about the idea of sort of natural language processing or sort of using some of the voice analysis and text analysis to maybe identify callers at higher risk um any any um research opportunities in that direction ah
1: yes that's a uh, that is a uh, area of growing interest i think that started maybe uh, not not too long ago in terms of a uh, small subpopulation that was interested in that it seems to be expanding and we're interested in that as well and we do as a matter of fact have a uh, have a have a project looking right now at that very at that very issue, particularly with regard to our chat and text formats.
0: Excellent. Well, of course, more to come, and maybe we can have you back on a little bit down the road when we have a um, little bit of uh, results from some of these awesome research opportunities. Great. So, um, just to kind of winding down, I do want to know. You know, some people may be hesitant to reach out for help, or maybe you know, a little bit, uh, I should say, uh, just anxious about calling the crisis line, what would you tell veterans and family members um, that are hesitant to call? How how should they approach this?
1: First thing I would say is that that's really common. Uh, It's so common that uh, you triggered my memory with another research project that we're, we're partnered with right now we're working with a group out of uh, vision 10 and anna harbour with this very issue of easing veteran apprehension perhaps about reaching out to the veterans crisis line or reaching out in general and studying how practicing that uh that behavior that uh action of reaching out decreases apprehension uh, regarding reaching out when it's actually needed. So what, what we have is we have a group who uh, may be considered at at higher risk for um, suicidal thoughts, suicidal planning. and with that group we're working on well let's let's you may not need it right exactly right now, but you might need it in the future, it being contacting the VCL. So let's, let's practice. Let's practice what it's like. Let's practice what happens when someone answers. Let's practice just talking and interacting so that when you do feel like you need it in perhaps a time when you're feeling increased distress, anxiety, um, confusion, it, you feel a little safer. You feel a little more comfortable reaching out. So, my whole point in sharing that is that it's common enough that we're even studying it. And from that, I think that we can take a a principle that I think is applicable to anyone and that is feel free to pick up the phone and to call us and just say, hi, I wanted to see how this worked. Uh, This might be something that I want to keep in my toolbox, this might be something that I want to use. And so I want to make sure I'm familiar with it. And can I ask some questions? That is perfectly acceptable to us. We welcome that. And we see that as a good opportunity to answer any questions that anyone may have in a safe way about what services we offer and what it's like to call us.
0: That's fantastic info. And and um, yeah, thanks for sharing that and again makes sense to have people rehearse this process and uh, even things like saving the number into your phone before uh, before an individuals in crisis are important steps to make it that much easier to reach out for help when when you really do need it
1: exactly and that's something that we'll do uh, as part of the safety planning process as well. We'll walk a veteran through, hey, would you be willing to? Uh, here's the number, here's the, here's the uh, text. Would you be willing to save it in your phone? And um, by the way, to help facilitate our ability across the VA to quickly connect individuals who may be in need to services such as the VCL, I know leadership at central office and at the local levels have worked um, hard at ensuring that the VCL number is in their own phones and making sure that they're encouraging uh, people across uh, VA care centers and touch points, put the VCL number in your phone and, uh, and make sure you have it at the ready in case you need to pass it along. So we've been working on that as well.
0: Excellent, Matt. Well, again, thank you so much for your time today, shedding light on the Veterans Crisis Line and really um, helping reduce some of the uh, mystery behind this important resource and really how we can use it to support mm-hmm. veterans and loved ones in our life. Um, before we let you go, do you have any parting thoughts for us today?
1: No, I think your conclusion was, was really important in that uh, we want to reduce any sense of mystery, We want to be a readily available tool, resource, for our veterans. And we are ready 24-7 across phone, text, chat, to serve as that uh, life-saving resource or form of
0: support for our veterans and callers. Great. Well, folks, that's going to be it for today's podcast. We invite you to check out the links accompanying this podcast, especially the Crisis Line webpage at www.veteranscrisisline.net. And uh, be sure to check for a exciting revamp coming soon. I also want to remind folks how to reach the Crisis Line. You can dial in to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. And then as Matt mentioned, you can press one at the prompt to be connected to responders who are specially trained and experienced in helping veterans. As always, we invite you to reach out to us with any comments, feedback, questions about this topic, and take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, share it with others. Join us next time for more interviews on important work in suicide prevention and resilience.